You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. To get this show every day, follow us wherever you get your podcasts. You can also tell your smart device to play Podcast Locked On Mets. I'll tell you guys, the Mets are very lucky to look up at the standings today and see that the Braves are still five games out of first place in the NL East. Because for a large portion of the doubleheader on Monday, it did not seem like that was the case. It felt like the momentum was squarely on the Braves' side. That they would find a way to win both of those games. The Mets' offense completely non-existent. But Jeff McNeil saves the day with an RBI double. And the Mets just barely get a win in that second game. Going to talk about the doubleheader in the first segment of today's show. Then in the second segment... I want to talk about what we learned from Mets GM Zach Scott before the games as he talked about their approach at the deadline and gave a status update on some injured Mets. Then finally, in the last segment, I will preview the remaining games of this series against the Braves. Still three more before the deadline. You got a chance here to win this series and really make the Braves think about selling, at least keep them away from buying very important stuff. So we will get to all of that. But first, for those of you who don't know, I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter, at FinkelsteinRyan. Follow the show, at LockedOnMets. Also, follow LockedOnMLB on YouTube, as we have an MLB trade deadline special show heading your way on Friday. That show will begin at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. I will be one of the local experts that's on that show, so you can be watching live as the Mets might trade for Chris Bryant. You can see my reaction. You can see the other host's reaction. You can hear our analysis. Again, make sure you subscribe to Locked on MLB on YouTube, and you will be notified when we go live. So let's talk about this doubleheader. The Mets just couldn't hit. I mean, it's that simple. It was one of those days where the offense just wasn't clicking for whatever reason. The big hit wasn't coming, did not come until the, what, 12th inning of the day in the fifth inning of the second game of the doubleheader. The Mets just completely got blanked by the Braves. And the entire time, it felt like the momentum was swinging toward the Braves, not just in a doubleheader, but almost in a season. If you're a Mets fan, and I know this is a new era, and I talk about it all the time, you can't carry over... You are scars from the Wilpon era. This is a different team. This is a smarter team. This is a team that has a big budget now. A team that is primed to win, not only this season, but win into the future. But you're not going to erase all those scars. And when the Atlanta Braves win the first game of that doubleheader and the Mets don't score any runs, and they don't score again through the first four innings of a bullpen game in Game 2 where the Mets are just cobbling it together and they're surviving inning by inning, pitch by pitch, keeping the Braves off the board. You're just waiting for the floodgates to open, and you're just banging your head against the wall every time the Mets fail to get a run in 
when they have a runner in scoring position. He had a big spot in that second game where J.D. Davis is on second base. Michael Conforto gets a hit. Davis reads it really well. He should have been able to score. The Mets hold him up. And then what happens? A strikeout from Jonathan Villar and a double play. And that was kind of the story of the day for the Mets offense. But to take you back to the beginning, going in chronological order, you had Marcus Stroman on the mound for the first game of that doubleheader. That was the game you expected to win. Stroman was not as good as his last time out, where he went eight innings and gave up just one hit, no runs. This time, it was a struggle. He was working around traffic in almost every inning, every inning except for the second. In the third inning, there was a spot there where it looked like he was really going to falter, gave up a run, but gets a huge double play to escape a jam. In the fourth inning, he stranded two runners by getting two strikeouts to close that inning. He fought tooth and nail to keep his team in the game, but the offense just never came. Then you go to game two, and it's all about the bullpen. It starts with Aaron Loop, pitches a scoreless first, Familia in the second. Anthony Banda comes out of nowhere, or Banda. I think it's actually Banda. This is what happens. When you start to pitch well, you do something for the Mets, suddenly you get people like me pronouncing your name correctly. I'm pretty sure it's Banda. Banda was actually really good. Saw a really nice changeup, working his fastball at the top of the zone to get some strikeouts and some swings and misses. Had three strikeouts and two scoreless innings. Got you a little bit of bulk in a seven-inning game where you're just trying to piece it all together. Trevor May pitches in the fifth, a scoreless inning for him. And then we get to the sixth inning. This is after Jeff McNeil came through with that clutch double in the bottom of the fifth, which scored Brandon Nimmo, gave you some hope, a one nothing game, but still six outs to go before you can really rest easy and say, all right, the Mets got the split. Seth Lugo enters the game, and it's pretty clear early on that he just does not have it. Gives up a base hit to Jock Peterson, walks Ozzie Albies on four pitches, and who comes up to the plate with no outs and two runners on? Freddie Freeman. And Freddie Freeman gets a curveball on a tee right in his wheelhouse, hits it opposite field, Deep into left, and Kevin Pillar comes down with it with his back up against the wall. In years past, when I've watched this specific game play out, it's always a three-run homer. Always. It goes out, you cuss, you throw the remote, maybe you turn the TV off and say, I can't do this anymore. (laughs) That is what the experience has been as a Mets fan. And it's just a bit of good fortune that that ball ends up a couple feet short. But it is indicative of the season the Mets are having when little things like that go your way. And as baseball is a game of inches, that's all it could come down to at some points here. Freddie Freeman hits that out. The Braves win. They go into tomorrow on the heels of a big sweep. They're only three games back in the division. They're feeling good about themselves, but it didn't go out. So now they get the split. They're still five games back in the division, and you have an opportunity to close them out, win two of the next three, go into the deadline, still feeling good about yourself. The Braves still feeling bad about themselves. And it all comes down to a couple of measly feet. And it's not like Seth Lugo did anything in particular that helped the Mets get out of that inning. 
You know, he it's a lot of good fortune there. The next batter, Austin Riley, just hits one right to the second baseman. Taylor made a double play. Lugo hits the showers without seeing another earned run on his ledger. Edwin Diaz comes in in the seventh inning looking absolutely dynamic, dotting 101 wherever he wants it. The slider with that tight break. He is unhittable when he's on. Gets his 22nd save of the season. Second day in a row where he comes in in a big spot with only a one-run lead to protect. And he finds a way to get three outs, this time striking out the side. And the Mets go home winners. They get one of those two games. Now you got to focus on making sure you don't let up in these final three games. But I don't expect the Mets to play this bad in any of the next three days here. I could be wrong, but the way this offense has been, I believe they will bounce back. It was just a rough day. But when you're playing a doubleheader like this with the seven innings, those days can snowball quick on you. And the Mets were just very fortunate to get great pitching, of course, in that second game, but get the one big hit they needed with the Jeff McNeil double to win that game. In the next segment, I want to switch gears and talk about what Zach Scott said before these games as he talked about the Mets' approach at the deadline and also gave some updates on some injured Mets. Then finally in the last segment, we'll get back to talking Mets Braves and what will take place in the final three games of this series. But before we get to any of that, if you are going to repair or maintain your cars, especially if you're doing it yourself, you're looking to save money. So why would you choose to go to a chain store or a new car dealership to buy your auto parts and pay 30%, 50%, maybe even 100% more for the exact same parts you can get at rockauto.com, which is a family business that has been serving auto parts to customers online for 20 years. You go to rockauto.com, you can shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers where you can find everything you could ever want from engine control modules to brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and then choose the brand specifications and prices you prefer. Go to rockout.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck. Make sure you're right locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know what we sent you. Amazing selection. Reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com Prior to Monday's doubleheader, Mets GM Zach Scott met with the media to talk about the trade deadline, to give updates on the injured Mets, and he didn't give anything big away. He was very coy. He's not going to show his hand, but there was definitely some tidbits I think we could draw on here that at least illuminate how the Mets are approaching this deadline. And the first one was when he was asked about the Mets' depth in their rotation. And Scott said, quote, adding Rich helped, but I still think we need to improve and just have more depth there. Obviously, we have some guys on the cusp of returning, but we need to make sure we put our best foot forward in terms of getting the most pitching depth that we can. Depth, depth, depth. Is Jose Barrios depth or is Tyler Anderson depth? Are the Mets looking for that frontline star that can slot in that's going to cost a ton? 
Do they think that's what they need? Or are they comfortable with the guys that they have? Are they comfortable with the injury status of Jacob DeGrom and Carlos Carrasco? And they really think they're going to get those guys back and they're going to be able to pitch at a high level. If that's the case, and you still have Marcus Stroman, you still have Taiwan Walker, and Tyler McGill's been good, you got Rich Hill now as an insurance policy, are the Mets just maybe looking to add another arm, whether it is an Anderson or John Gray or Michael Pineda, they're just looking to add one more starter that can either factor into the rotation if they need them to right now when you have TBA starting half of the games with the Mets, it seems. So you're just looking for a guy like a Rich Hill, another one in that ilk that can come in and just buy some time for your guys to get healthy? Or is the word depth just kind of a front and you're really looking for Frontline depth, which would be a Jose Barrios or a Max Scherzer, the big names on the market. That is the real conundrum that this front office has as we creep closer to the deadline because the other areas of need are pretty cut and dry. If you want to add a middle of the order bat, it's likely got to be a third baseman. If you want to add a high leverage arm, you're just looking at the cost to acquire one. There's no big you know, debate here on what type of pitcher you want. You want the best possible high leverage reliever that you can acquire for a price that you think is acceptable and you slot them into that bullpen. So those areas of need are very clear to address. You're scouring the market. You're finding the deal that makes the most sense. But when it comes to starting pitching, there is a big gap in what it's going to take to acquire those top two guys, Barrios and Scherzer, as opposed to just getting a John Gray who's a rental, who is not going to get a qualifying offer from the Rockies. They're going to be in that position where they're going to just have to take something. And you could probably acquire him for just a little bit more than you gave up to get Rich Hill. And if that's the case and you get John Gray, well, you'll say, okay, if nothing else, his stuff will probably play up a little bit more out of the bullpen. That could be an arm that can help you in the postseason, provides more insurance, gets you through this period as you wait to see what happens with Carrasco, DeGrom, and maybe even Noah Syndergaard. And to get them, you don't have to have these tough conversations about which blue chip prospect to give up. But the Mets are still weighing everything. Marcus Stroman was very good in his last start. This one a little bit more uneven. Taiwan Walker's going through a rough stretch. You're really digging deep into the film right now and deciding if those guys are the arms you want to go into battle with when you start a postseason series, they're going to factor into the equation. But when you're lining up one, two, three in an NLDS against the Brewers, and they got Corbin Burns, and they got Woodruff, and they got that great rotation out there, and you know you got the Grom, but who else is pitching behind them? That's where a decision has to be made. And if it is with the Nationals and trying to get Scherzer, which I still don't think will actually happen, Zach Scott did mention that at times. There's a tax that teams will put on a player like that to trade them within the division. He said he doesn't have any problems dealing within the division, but other teams may feel different. And I don't know. I just can't imagine that Max Scherzer is a Met. But if he is, that'll be awesome. Now, when it comes to the injured Mets, still unclear what the timetable would be on Francisco Lindor. Three to five weeks was thrown out, but that's very vague. Likely not going to be back until at least the middle of August. I would not be surprised 
if we don't see him until early September. Obliques are just notorious for lingering. Just depends on how he responds. You got to basically shut it down completely before you ramp it back up. And in the meantime, Zach Scott said they're comfortable with their short-term options of Louis Guillaume and Jonathan VR, but they'll be open to seeing what's on the market and available. If you were to trade for a Trevor Story, you know that he could go and play third base after Lindor comes back. Lindor is going to be this team's shortstop when the games really matter at the end of the season. But if the right trade presented itself, the Mets will entertain it. Now, when it comes to Jacob deGrom and Carlos Carrasco, there isn't any real new news except for the fact that Carrasco will, in fact, make his next start at the big league level. We thought that would be the case after he had that really good rehab start on Sunday. We now know that to be so. Rich Hill is going to take the ball on Friday. Hill and Carrasco, having both pitched on Sunday, were lined up to pitch the same day. So now Carrasco will pitch either on Saturday or on Sunday. And the Mets will finally get to see this guy after trading for him in the offseason. For Jacob deGrom, heading towards a rehab start. And then from there, he will continue to make his trek back to the big league roster, hopefully sooner rather than later. Finally, when it comes to Noah Syndergaard, Zach Scott says that Syndergaard expects to pitch this year. The Mets are going to set him up to be able to do that, but they're also not going to plan as if he is going to be back with the team. And what I mean by that, what he means by that, is that it's not going to change the way they approach the deadline because they are thinking in the back of their mind that they definitely have Noah for the playoffs. They will love it if they get him back. He's going to be the most amazing cherry on top of this season or the most amazing surprise X factor that could burst onto the scene late if Noah is Noah. But you have no idea. That was such a bad pun. (laughs) You have no idea, though, if you're going to get him or not. It's the same thing we've been talking about all season, especially since he had the setback. You hope to get him. You'll see if you do. In the meantime, you got to plan like you won't get him. And that's what the Mets are going to do. Those were the main talking points for the Zach Scott presser. Now it is time to switch gears again and talk about the rest of this series between the Mets and the Braves. I will preview what lies ahead in just a minute. If you want to bet on any of it, go to Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Bet Online has odds right now for the different trade candidates and where they will land after this deadline. Chris Bryant, 2 to 1 odds to be a New York Met. Max Scherzer, I think today, was 3 to 1 odds. Don't expect that to come through. Personally, I'm not putting money on that. That probably indicates that a lot of money is going towards that when it comes to the sports book here. But it is a lot of fun to play all these different things. Bet online has you covered with real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. If you want to check it out today, head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with our promo code Locked On. Again, that's promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Now today the Mets technically begin a new three-game series against the Atlanta Braves. First two games were makeup games on a mutual off day. Now they get 
to their previously scheduled three-game series against Atlanta. This is the second-to-last series they will play against the Braves this season. There's one more in September, so it's very important that you win as many of these games as you can. And taking the second game of that doubleheader was so crucial because you look at the pitching matchups here, and it's Charlie Morton versus who knows in this game on Tuesday. Could be Vance Worley, could be another bullpen game, which would be tough considering almost every reliever went in this doubleheader. You have Yenzi Diaz and Drew Smith that are fresh for the most part, though. That's it. Everyone else would be a little bit taxed. Going to be hard to get nine innings out of your bullpen without calling on someone from Syracuse. So maybe that's Worley. If it is, it's another one of those games where you just see what you get. You hope that you find your way through four innings with the scab replacement type guy that comes up from the minors. And if you get that, and you can turn it over to Yenzi Diaz and Drew Smith, maybe one of them opens the game as the opener. The other one comes in after Worley or whatever arm comes up. And you try to bash your way to a win. But against Charlie Morton, that's not going to be easy. You can make the argument he's been the Braves' ace this year, has had an even three ERA dating back to the beginning of June in nine starts. For the season, he has a 3.65 ERA over 20 starts with 130 strikeouts and 111 innings pitch. He's faced the Mets three times this season, has allowed four total runs over 19 innings pitch with 26 strikeouts. This is a guy that is really solid, and it would not be surprising at all if he went out and threw six or seven scoreless innings in this start. And with the bullpen game or a whirly game, whatever you want to call it, not great chances you win this one. If you do, that's gravy. But what I think you're looking at right now is trying to win the final two games of the series with Tyler McGill and Taiwan Walker on the mound. Game two of the three-game series, or game four of the five-game series, however you want to describe this, will be Max Freed versus Tyler McGill. Max Freed has a 5-3-2 ERA in four starts in July. He has faced the Mets twice this year and has given up three runs over 11 innings pitch. It's another lefty starter, though, and the Mets have really been struggling against those lefties so far this season, and particularly as of late with Wade Miley, and then today Kyle Muller really shutting them down and making the offense a non-existent factor in the game for this Mets team. So we'll see what Freed brings in that game. Tyler McGill will face the Braves for the third time this season. His first two big league starts came against Atlanta, he has that 2-1 ERA entering this start way better than anyone could have expected the first 30 innings of his big league career. Finally, it'll be Drew Smiley versus Taiwan Walker in the last game of this series. Smiley has somehow avoided facing the Mets this season, but he has a 4-3-0 ERA in his 17 starts. Meanwhile, Walker now has a 3-4-3 ERA after two disastrous outings. He will look to get back on track against Atlanta. Has not given up a run against the Braves this year. But the two starts that he had that came against them were sandwiched between an injury. The first one, he goes three scoreless, then has to lead the game with right side tightness. Has a short IL stint. Comes back, ends up facing the Braves again. Goes five scoreless, but was on a little bit of a pitch count that day and was not allowed to go any deeper. 
This time he should be at full strength, but he's coming off some bad outings. We'll see if he can return to his all-star form against the Mets division rival. Very important last couple of games here. I've talked about it at length over these last two shows this week. Gotta do what you can to win this series. Hopefully the Mets get it done. That's going to be all, though, for today's edition of Locked on Mets. As always, thank you for listening. Make sure you follow, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you follow me on Twitter, at Finkelstein. Ryan, follow the show, at Locked on Mets. And if you want to bet on sports, it does not have to be a guessing game anymore. If you listen to the Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day by following the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get podcasts.